Welcome to Elan Restoration Fellowship, where Jesus is King, HaMelech, Lord, Hashem, and Messiah, Mashiach. And now, Pastor Billy Elias. Revelation chapter 3. When you read Revelation chapter 3, it's a very kind of, I don't know, very upfront, very plain and simple. Messiah Jesus tells John, Yohanan, to tell the Messianic congregations and the final three churches that we haven't spoken about yet. Those three churches are Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. It's actually a very sad chapter because two of the three churches have soiled themselves. One has run amok and is steeped in wickedness um, in chaos and in, I like to say, committing all the old sins in all the new ways. The other has completely become political. I don't know if politicalize is a word, I doubt it, but I have nowhere else to say it. They've become, they've become so political. They've become so ingrained in the social fabric. We all know that God says, I can't stand you, so I will spit you out of my mouth. And as we go through this, we're going to see a lot of similarities. So this chapter 3 won't take as long as chapter 2 because a lot of the language is the same. A lot of the introduction is the same. But what's not the same is certain things that are said, obviously, to certain churches. Okay. So one of the things we have to understand before we, we really hit this thing going. In, in Revelation 1... Chapter 1, I mean, um, Jesus says, I, um, I am the one who is, who was, and who is to come. Okay? And I know it's a little bit rep repetitive, but we have to remember as we go forward that in Revelation chapter 1, what he was reminding them is who was. He was. Right? He was. I mean, I left. I am the beginning. He was. In chapter 2, and now in chapter 3, he is. And this is the state of the church today. We are right now in the he is phase of his three-dimensional breakdown. All right? We're talking about the three communities now. Sardis, which is mentioned in verses 1 through 6. Philadelphia, um, 7 to 13. Obviously, everybody wants to be Philadelphia. Great church, bad football, bad football team, bad baseball team, okay? And the Flyers, okay, because I'm a Bruins fan. So, you know, Bruins and Flyers. Yeah, no, no. I wish I was there, though, that night at the Garden when they went up over to, never mind. Okay, so it's not my fault. He brought it up. So anyway, we have Sardis verses 1 through 6, Philadelphia verses 7 to 13 with the bad football team, and Laodicea 
verses 4 through 12. Okay? Now, one of the things is we're going to, we spend a lot of time on the introduction, how God introduces himself to the churches. Because in doing so, we've, we've been able to uncover a lot of mysteries, especially when we start to break down the Hebrew letter that correlates, right? So the Hebrew letter that correlates to chapter 3 is the Gemel. So we're going to talk about his introduction to Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And then we're going to journey a little bit back to Isaiah chapter 11. Because eventually we're going to talk about tonight the seven spirits or the sevenfold spirits. And Hebraically, what they mean, what they point to, and how God measures us, the church, and the canon by these seven spirits. So we're going to start with Sardis in chapter 1. It says here is, or chapter 1, I'm sorry, verse 1. We're going to start with Sardis chapter 3, verse 1. Here is the message from the one who has the sevenfold spirit of God and the seven stars. And then God goes on to say that your community in Sardis is um, being judged by not only by Hashem, but every Messianic community on the planet. You see, he comes straight out of the box to go at Sardis and calls them wicked. And he says, you think you know, but you don't have a clue. You're not even alive. You're dead. There's only a little piece left. And you better do yourself a favor and purchase streets of gold, refined gold, if you want to make it. So he comes at him with the seven soulfold spirit and the seven angels. In other words, the sevenfold spirit we're going to talk about is the seven spirits, like I said, by which God measures what's right, wrong, righteous, and uh unrighteous indignation, those kinds of things. And the seven angels in this case, the messianic leaders at the seven communities who will hold them accountable. And we're going to talk about all that, but I just want to give you the brief overview of what's starting here in Revelation chapter 3. Now we go to the church of Philadelphia, right? <clears throat> Here is the message, it starts in verse 8. Here is the message of HaKadosh, the Holy One, the True One, the One who has the key of David, who if he opens something, no one else can shut it. And if he closes something, no one else can open it. Hashem responds to this community in Philadelphia by quoting chapter 22 of Isaiah, in what is called the prophecy of the valley of the vision. You see? Because he gave them the keys, but here's the, th here's, here's the thing when we get the key of David. We hear a lot about the keys and what the Messiah did when he died, and the keys of this, and the keys to death, and keys to hate, and the keys to the kingdom, the key, 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 key. The, here's the thing. God could give you the key, but if you do not know how to use it, you don't have the combination, you're not going to open up anything. 
Philadelphia, the church was spot on. They were given the key, and it says they knew how to open the gateway to heaven. They understood the prosperity that heaven had for them spiritually as well as naturally. This is not a prosperity, name it and claim it, doctrine. It's for them to say they've opened up uh, um, how do I put this? They've opened up a doorway. So we saw that with Jacob. See, Jacob saw a ladder because his righteousness allowed him to see into heaven. He saw the unseen. It's the same thing with Philadelphia. When you open that door with that key, you're opening a pathway to heaven that blessings come in and go out. It is acts of righteousness. These are acts of justice. These are acts of charity. These are acts of humility, but these are also acts of steadfastness. No compromise. No compromise. And if they close something, no one can open it. That is spiritual authority. See, God, for Philadelphia, said, I'm going to give you the keys to open up the gateway to heaven, but I'm also going to give you the keys to shut down the pathway to hell. This is Philadelphia. Obviously, it's what we all want to aspire to be. But they have a bad hockey team. Bad hockey team. Bad hockey team. So, to Laodicea, chapter 14. Now this is important. Here is the message from Amen. Interesting. Here is the message from Amen. If you remember, Amen, we spoke about is putting the exclamation point to say, after I pray with you or I've done something and we all say, Amen, exclamation point, it is finished. So God is now calling himself, Amen. It is finished. Whoo! It is finished. He's declaring himself what we take for granted. Amen, amen, amen. We throw it around like it's just, uh, it's a church word. But we don't really understand what it means. If we did, there wouldn't be gossip in the church. If we did, we wouldn't be condemning people behind their backs after they confess something in prayer. We don't know what it means. It's a covenant when you say, Amen. Exclamation point at the end. What you said, I agree. We bring it to God. Exclamation point. We both agree. Two in the mouths of two or three. Mouths of two or three matters established. We leave it where it is. And I walk away and I don't speak of it again. Amen. But here, he says, here is the message from Amen. 
the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation, the Messiah. He's now, Jesus is just flat out saying, I am the Amen. I'm Amen. Because I finished it. And I kept my promise and I kept my word and I was obedient to my cross and I was obedient to the things that my father asked me to do so that you can live. So it's a final thing. So Messiah is saying, I am the faithful and true witness and I am, Ani Ha'aleth, I am the ruler of God's creation. He's not only the creator, he rules it. He rules and reigns in the kingdom. Now, he says this to Laodicea. This is scary. Because Hashem's response is that he will spit them out of their mouth. He calls them wretched. He calls them pitiful. He calls them poor. And he tells them that they're blind. He says they're naked. And he tells them to get gold refined in the fire in order to save themselves from destruction. That is some serious telling. You talk about, you cannot, this is bad. So two of these three final churches are found in Revelation chapter 3. And the two of them are brutal. The worst of the seven. Now, if you guys remember all the way back in Revelation 1, I think it was in verse 4, we'll go over it later, God introduces himself to John as the seven souls, the seven spirits, as the sevenfold spirits. And a lot has been said about the sevenfold spirits. What are the seven spirits? How do we get, how do we know what it is? There's only six. How could you get seven out of this and that? And they're not all individual spirits. There's a lot of craziness. Um, so in order for us to understand what God is saying, not only to Sardis, right, but to us today, the authors of all of our theology, He's saying that if you don't understand my seven spirits, then how can you understand who I am? How can you understand? How could you measure your own life? How do you measure? See, when, I, when God says, you shall know them by their fruits, we can't even agree on what fruits they are. It's not hard. You will know them by the seven spirits. Paul says to test what? Okay. And you know what? We've always, always, always been taught. Paul is talking about the demons. Now, he's testing the seven spirits on a person. And if one becomes and leaps out and says it's demonic, he's got it. You understand? This isn't one of those, oh, we're just going to go and start, yeah, you know, going crazy and like spiritual gunslinger. You know, we're spiritual Wyatt Earp trying to take them all down, all the demons we can see. Okay, no. We have to do things in order. So we're going to talk about the seven spirits. But before we do that, we need to go to Isaiah chapter 11 and read through verses 1 to 4. 
It's there in Hebrew as well. Um, we're going to really focus on verse 2, but we have to read all four in order to understand verse 2. Okay? But a branch will emerge from the trunk of Yeshai. A shoot will grow from his roots. The spirit of Adonai will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom, understanding, spirit of counsel and power, the spirit of knowledge, and fearing Adonai. He will be inspired by fearing Adonai. He will not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear. But he will judge the impoverished justly. Bless you. He will decide fairly for the humble of the land. He will strike the land with a rod from his mouth and slay the wicked with a breath from his lips. Obviously, this is about the Messiah. This is the Messiah. We know that. But in verse 2, we have what we would call the seven spirits or the sevenfold spirits. Now, in as we look at this, um, what we start to see is that these seven spirits are the standard, and I've said this, by which the seven churches will be defined. When we look at strengths and weaknesses of all the seven churches, we have a measuring rod to determine who has won their race and who has lost, who is winning the race and who is losing. So what we're going to do is we're going to just go back a little bit to Revelation chapter 1, verse 4. When God first introduces himself to the seven messianic communities in the province of Asia, which we now know is Turkey. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 4, grace and shalom to you from the one who is who was and who is coming from the sevenfold spirit before his throne and from Yeshua, the Messiah, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the earth's kings. The sevenfold spirit is from where? The throne of God. And from, right, Jesus, the Messiah, who sits on the throne. So it's all the same. So these seven spirits are from the throne room. It's a direct line. We think of it as the Holy Spirit. That is not what this is. These are not the Holy Spirit. It's spelled different. Everything about it is completely different. The words are used different. Okay. So understand, when we talk about this, it has a completely different take on it. There, is, and we'll just we're just going to read it. So, and I'm just going to read Isaiah 11, verse two. The spirit of Adonai will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and power. Spirit of knowledge and fearing Adonai. Okay. In Hebrew, Venuach Aliyah Ruach Hashem Ruach Hamachau Uvina Ruach Esta Ugvura Ruach Daat Ve Irat Hashem. 
okay? The first thing that we have to see is the spirit of who? Of Adonai. The spirit of Adonai, right? So the first one we see, the first spirit, which is important because this is the center spirit. This is the central spirit. This is the main spirit. This is Ruach Hashem. This is that spirit. So if you look on your diagram, you will see a picture of our favorite piece of furniture in the holy place called the menorah. Remember in verse, or in chapter 1, when John turns around, he sees the Son of God walking in and out of what? The gold menorahs, seven of them. And if you remember, one of his God's um, rebukes, I believe it was Ephesus, don't quote me on it, was if you do not change, I'm going to take the menorah from you. What does that mean? We're about to find out exactly what that means. So the spirit, number one, which is the main spirit, is Ruach Hashem. If you want to call him the Holy Spirit, yeah, that's, but it's not written like this. But yes, you could say it's Ruach HaKodesh, but we're not told that. We're told Ruach Hashem, which is the Messiah. Of course, they're all interchangeable, but this is more of a direct intervention from the Messiah himself. Does that make sense? Okay. Yes, it's the Holy Spirit of God. My point is it's not written as Ruach HaKodesh, which is what we know as the Holy Spirit, is written as the Spirit of God, Ruach Hashem. Okay? It's a little different, but the same. So that's the first thing, and we know that that has to be the main spirit. Because that spirit, Ruach Hashem, Ruach HaKodesh, is the one that what? Lives inside of us. It's the one that opens the well. It's the one that speaks to us, right? It's the one that caresses us, corrects us. It's the one that brings the word of God to life, to cut in and to cut off, right? Cut into your heart to cut off the garbage. So we're talking about the spirit of God as the main. He is. Without the spirit of God, we don't have an earth. Because the earth was formless and void. But God's spirit, that's right. And God said, the Messiah was revealed. So if you look at the creation story, God says what? In the beginning, Elohim, Hashem created the revelation to man of God the Father. And the earth was formless and dark and void. But the spirit, Ruach HaKodesh, hovered over it. The revelation of man to who? The, God, the spirit. God, the Holy Spirit. And then he said, and let there be light. The revelation of God, the Messiah, Jesus. 
So we see that here, the Spirit of God, Ruach Koshes, Ruach Hashem. Spirit number two is wisdom, Chachmah. We know what wisdom is. I don't have to go into it. Wisdom and faith, well, faith comes by hearing, hearing comes by the word. How do we gain wisdom? Through what? Reading. We read the word of God and we act. When we read it, we put it to good use. So that's the second spirit, which is Chokmah. And then we have the spirit of understanding, Uvena. That's the third spirit. Insight and skill. See, we think of understanding in English terms, but we have to think of it in Hebrew, or Jewish terms. It's insight and skill. You know, you can understand English, you can understand math, but you're not getting insight into them. It's a difference. You're going to want to know why? Because uvenah, what we're seeing here, can only be given by wisdom. And wisdom can only be given by the fear of Hashem. Right? In awe, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. So I want you to look, as we go through the seven, where it begins and how each one is dependent on the one before it. We start with Ruach Hashem, the Spirit of God, who gives the spirit of wisdom. And wisdom gives the spirit of understanding with insight and skill. And then, because we have insight and skill, the spirit then counsels us. Itza. As we gain more insight and we gain more skill in the things of God, the Spirit of God can now counsel us how to use that skill, how to use the insight that he showed us, how to use the Word of God that has come from wisdom. I heard a rabbi once say, and he was a messianic rabbinic rabbi, once say, the greatest act of wisdom, the greatest act of chakmah mankind has ever seen was Jesus the Messiah going to the cross. That's how he got saved. Because when he sought wisdom, he finally came to the conclusion that there was no wisdom better than God showed anybody than Jesus dying on the cross for our salvation. You see how this is just like coming together? Okay. So now you can also see, you can also see why the word of God is measured and how we are measured. We're starting to see that, right? So you have the spirit of God, walk Hashem, wisdom, Hakmal, understanding, uvenah, insight and skill, and then itza, be counseled. Who's the great counselor? Right. He said, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to leave you by yourself. I'm going to leave you a spirit. Right. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit of God. Ruach Hashem or Ruach HaKodesh, whatever you want to call it. Here it is. 
And then counseling, this one I love, leads to the spirit of power. Ugvora, Ugvora, Ugvora. Power, bravery, strength, and greatness. Now, understand this. Let's walk a little bit backwards. If we aren't counseled properly, if we aren't counseled through the hard times, the rough times, the good times, if we're not counseled, not only in the written word, but the, the, the spoken word, can we be brave? Can we be strong? Can we stand firm in the faith, act like men, and let all that we do be done in love? Because I remember Jesus saying, it's not by might nor by power, but by my, Spirit. not Jesus, but Hashem saying, it is not by might nor by power, but by my, Spirit. okay, what spirit? The spirit of Ugevura, the spirit of power, because he'll give us bravery, he'll give us strength, he'll make us powerful in him to do his bidding. But we can't get to that point until we're counseled. But we can't be properly counseled until we gain insight and skill. And we can't do that until we get godly wisdom, which is an act of great humility, before who? The Spirit of God, Ruach Hashem. And then, so we have Ruach Hashem, we have Hakmal. We have Uvina, we have Itza, we have Ugevura, and now we come to At, Da'at, knowledge. It goes a little bit deeper than what we know. It's perception. It's perception. How do we perceive the truth? But more than that, how do we perceive the lie? Wisdom leads to counsel, which leads to strength and bravery, which gives us knowledge to fight the lie. Our perception has to come after counsel and strength because we have to be, we have to possess the bravery and the strength to go against the masses. Think of those who have been murdered, crucified, martyred because they stood firm. They refused to go back on who Jesus, the glorious Messiah, is. They held their ground. They okay. Loved, they loved not their lives unto the death. So they held their ground because they had knowledge, a perception of truth. We have a lot of people that have a whole heck of a lot of knowledge. In fact, it's so funny, it's Google it, right? Someone says, man may forget, but Google never does. That's the truth. Google will never forget. You can Google everything till the cows come home, and you can get all kinds of knowledge, but have no perception, and it's just useless. In fact, You've heard the term, they have just enough knowledge to do damage. Boy, is that the truth. 
Knowledge without perception is dead. You can't have it. Because the perception comes from the spirit of power. And then the spirit of power comes from the spirit of counsel. That comes from the spirit of understanding to give us the insight and skill. Because it comes from the spirit of wisdom by which we bow down before the spirit of God. Da'at. Knowledge and perception. And finally, we have the seventh spirit, the fear of Hashem, Ve'yirat Hashem. Ve'yirat Hashem. Now, this isn't fear as in, I'm afraid you're going to smite me out. This is awe. This is reverence. And number seven takes us all the way back to number one, when we say the beginning of wisdom is is the fear of Hashem. Mm -hmm. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of Hashem. It's a spirit. When the Holy Spirit first comes to you, so gentle and so reverent, and you realize Jesus, our Messiah, is real, and I need him, I want him. You humble yourself in a spirit of awe and reverence. You see that? So you want wisdom. It begins with knowing whose written and spoken word you must obey and observe. It's that simple. Why are so many people turning, and you know, you got a lot of the, the, the Asian culture now influencing our movies. Heck, they're even influencing Marvel, right? And I'm not saying I didn't like it, because some of those Marvel movies... The one with the, the new Marvel movie was, oh man, it's really good. But the point here is we're being influenced by a Buddhist mindset, by a Hindu mindset. Why? Why? Because they put great focus on the knowledge of how to attain peace and serenity. Yeah, we're going to do that because it's easy. I gotta fold up my legs and I gotta go like this. And I gotta burn incense. And every now and then I get to, to smoke a little wacky weed and I get to do all these things to make me feel what? Good. Makes me feel good. I want to feel good. God never says, I'm gonna make you feel good. He says, I'm going to love you and you'll have times of joy and you'll have times of gladness, but you're gonna have times of sorrow. And you're going to have times of suffering. And you're going to have times of gloom. You're going to mourn. But then it's going to turn around and you're going to laugh. And have fun. And you're going to rejoice. You see, because I don't do it for you. And you don't do it for me. I do it with you. If you want me to. If you want me to. So, I'm going to call your attention to your diagram. Your diagram. So, here's where it, we drive it home. Because in order for us to bring all of this together and see how the menorah, again, comes into play, 
we have to read chapter 11 of Isaiah, verse 1. But a branch will emerge from the trunk of Yeshai. A shoot will grow from its roots, from his roots. Obviously, we know it's the Messiah, but here's what we need to understand. We have to take from verse 1 that as the Spirit of God rests on the branch, they shoot and they dig in the root. So when the Spirit of God rests on the olive shoot, the root, he brings that root to life. That's why Paul says we are grafted in. We are a spiritual root, the next green. We are the root, the continuation of the God of Abraham, the continuation of Isaac, the continuation of Israel. We are not set apart from them. We have become them. Because he, his spirit has laid on the root. Because the root was put into the ground and dug in and it can never be cut down. So the branch now becomes the subject of the seven spirits in verse 2. It becomes the foundation. It becomes the center point. If you remember from our studies on the menorah multiple times, the middle candle is called the shamash. It is the servant. That middle stem on the menorah is called the shamash. It's the servant. Yep. That is the servant. That, my friends, is Ruach Hashem. Only the Spirit of God can serve. Because Messiah was the great servant of all mankind. As that rabbi said, he performed the greatest act of wisdom. There would never be reconciliation between God and man unless God himself died. The greatest act of wisdom. But you'll never gain understanding. You'll never get counsel. You won't have bravery, strength, power. You'll have useless knowledge. And you won't fear anyone or anything, as is evident in the churches at Sardis and Laodicea. They stopped serving. They stopped fearing. I'm going to tell you right now, you look out there, there are... In Christendom today, we, oh, we've stopped serving and we've stopped fearing. So what we have now is that center branch of the menorah. And as you look at it, from right to left are the spirits giving to us in order, just like from right to left would be the feast days in order. And what we get is what? The branch that becomes the foundation is the center point from which these six other spirits emanate. That, my friends, is the sevenfold spirit that John speaks about in chapter 1, verse 4, 
and he talks about here in chapter 3 to the church at Sardis. This is the measuring rod. It would be a great thing for anybody to take these seven spirits, go into prayer, and genuflect. Genuflect. Get on your knees. It would be a great thing for you to do self-inventory. I guess that's a good word that everybody uses today, right? Make sure you do a self-inventory before you go smoke your weed and get all Buddha high, right? But the point here being is where do we fit individually in here? Now, I want you to understand something. God has a remnant. And he's raising that remnant up, isn't he? Mm -hmm. And that remnant is telling people the truth about the root, where we come from. Because we're going into a time where if we don't know the truth about the root, we're not going to protect ourselves. We're not going to protect our families, much less protect the community. Which is why God, has, not God, but God has allowed these, 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 these men of God, these women of God, these congregations to start rising up, but be under constant assault. You see, because in this moment, Ruach Hashem is saying, do you want wisdom? Yes. Then fear me. Be in awe of me. And then what I will do is as these moments come, I'm going to give you uvana, I'm going to give you understanding. I'm going to give you the insight and the ability to overcome. And by doing so, I'm going to counsel you in what to do next. Pastor Billy will continue his message in just a moment. If you would like more information about sermon series, books, and other study materials, you can call us at 732-314-1956, or you can email us at elanrestoration at gmail.com. You can visit us on Facebook for Shabbat and service times. And now we conclude today's message with Pastor Billy. And once you receive the counsel, wisdom takes hold and understanding, you're going to be brave. You're going to be strong in my spirit. And then I'm going to fill you with more knowledge because you're going to perceive that everything that you've learned is not only truth, you're going to see it in a completely different way. And I'm going to unlock this treasure chest that's been hidden for centuries. And I'm going to pull out these mysteries and we're going to unravel them together. Not to exalt yourself or not to say I know more, but to strengthen your faith. So you would say not only are you amazing, oh Lord, our God, but I am giving you the strength to lead people to overcome. That's where Philadelphia succeeded, and Sardis and Laodicea failed.
So Father, we give you glory and we give you praise. We thank you for your word and we thank you for your blessings. And as always, we say may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you shalom peace. Hashem Yeshua, in the precious name of Jesus, the glorious Messiah, we pray. And we're going to say it now. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Billy Elias. Pastor Billy is the founder and pastor of Elon Restoration Fellowship in Toms River, New Jersey. Join us again as Pastor Billy bridges the gap between the Old and New Covenants. And as always, may the Lord bless you with peace. Down to my